0: Welcome. This podcast is hosted by Virabhava Yoga and explores our understanding of yoga and its relationship to resilience. If you like exploring with us, use coupon code PODCAST2022 at virabhavayoga.com to receive 15% off of all Virabhava products and programming. I am your host, Kelly Golden, and I'm a writer, a yoga teacher, a dedicated practitioner, exhaustive thinker and the founder of virabhava yoga school i've been practicing and studying yoga since 1995 and teaching since 2003. my primary focus is shri vidya tantra and the ways that yoga can be directly applied to our lives in all situations this season will continue to follow my exploration of just that both my successes and my failures as well as feature conversations with fellow practitioners, teachers, and humans living resilience as their yoga. Through contemplation, wondering, conversation, and experience, we will explore resilience as synonymous with the path and practice of yoga, Our conversations will unpack the points of crossover, the similarities of experience, and the ways that both practices support arriving whole and alive in the midst of wherever we find ourselves, be it hardship and challenge or joy and pleasure. Many of these conversations are hosted monthly as free live classes that also include an accompanying asana practice. Visit our website to learn more and to participate if you would like to explore studying with us more deeply. Check out our online Tantra Yoga and Meditation programs at virabhavayoga.com. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey friends, in episode 8 of the Yoga of Resilience podcast, I explore the process of evolution as one of resonance. I share the possibility that to really affect lasting change in life, we must be willing to experience the big pain of change, or else we can become stagnant in a low-level but persistent discomfort. In this episode, I talk about resilience as an experience of self-knowledge and invite everyone to explore what truly resonates with them and dare to do the work of aligning with and in that resonance. This episode is on fire with Shakti, and challenges us all to step into the crossroads of our choices, awake and alive to our own potential. Enjoy. Welcome to Yoga of Resilience. I think this, if nothing else, this is a great experience of resilience. What happens when you're really psyched to teach a class and it doesn't come forth the way you want it to? Isn't, like we're yoga teachers, doesn't that happen to everyone all the time? You have, I swear it's the best laid. Here's my big aunt biting me. Uh, The best laid plans. As soon as you plan the perfect yoga class, your situation, however it may appear, whether it be the students that show up for that class or the studio itself or the environment that you're teaching in, something will go askew so that you cannot implement your perfect plan. And that's what today's class is about is about the absence of a, the the lack of necessity of a perfect plan in order to uh, make decisions that allow for growth and evolution. So today's yoga resilience talk is about uh, growth, evolution, resonance, and resilience. And then uh, the lovely Rachel Durbin will offer us an amazing asana practice to follow the talk. Um, For the people that know me, owl ant on my back. (laughs) For the people that know me, uh, it wasn't a huge shock to hear that I was stepping out of the world of teacher training at the end of the year. I love my job. I love what I teach. I love what I do. But um, I have aspirations that expand beyond the realm of certification and registration and teaching asana, and that's been a, a stretch for me for a while. So how can I continue to teach yoga without the structure of teaching yoga teachers? And so I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, And what I recognize about the possibility of resilience is we can't be resilient unless we take the risk of growing. And whether we make good choices or bad choices, if there even is such a thing, all change leads to growth. So I'm sure that you've experienced this in your own life, but most most of our failures have taught us more than our successes. And whether or not we're doing it correctly in the big scheme, in the big yoga of life, isn't really the point. Um, I want to say that that might be one of the biggest myths of our modern culture, that we should only do it if we can do it right. Right. And if you're, if you're engaging with Virabhava and the practices that Virabhava offers, then you get this a lot. Right. It's not about doing it right. It's not about being perfect. It's not about having the perfect timing or the perfect situation or the perfect amount of money in your bank account. It's not about having um, everything line up. It's about listening to the call and heeding the call. So when we move resiliently, we are open and receptive to taking the risks that will lead to growth perpetually and constantly. Um, when we, and that's a, a good measure of whether or not we're in a place that feels resilient or we're, or we're not. And so resilience isn't necessarily a state of being. It's a, it's a way that we respond to where we're, where we are in any given moment. And, if we're in a place where we feel like change or growth is not available to us, then it might be a good measure of our level of resilience. Right. And change doesn't have to be catastrophic. It doesn't have to be huge, but there's not a moment of time where we're not in a crossroads of choice. And if we feel unable to make a choice because that choice might change things, then it's a good indicator that maybe we're out of a space of resilience and into a different place and tools need to be applied, uh, or maybe just patience and time. So risk is a necessary factor uh, of resilience, and it's also a necessary quality of growth. So I have had a teacher that used to say um, the difference between empowerment and sustaining, and sustaining is not bad, it's just different is the willingness to take the risk of the big pain of change versus the risk of staying in a persistent low level of discomfort in order to stay the same. And of course, in transformational work, the, the ideal, if there is such a thing, is to be willing to take the risk of the big pain of change so that something actually transforms as opposed to staying in that um persistent low-level discomfort and suffering right here's the differences as I as I can perceive them in my personal experience and share them with you that the big pain of change has the ability to align with your what I'm going to call today resonance or frequency or truth you know some people say truth um, it has a rumble inside of you that whether you're taking the risk and doing the action or not, there's still um, like a growl in the pit of your stomach. That's happening all the time. And it doesn't matter how much you work in your mind to make sense of the way that you're living your life. The rumble doesn't go away until it's aligned with. Sometimes it will get louder. Sometimes we find access to tools to numb that rumble because it becomes so uncomfortable to listen to it or hear it or feel it. But when we decide to not ignore it anymore, that rumble is evident. And then the ability to hear it, that's part of that big pain of change, right? I, we just graduated a group of 300. Casey is one of them, yay. Yay. Uh, and one of the things that came up is like, you can't, once you know, you can't unknow. Right. And that is at, at this at once a gift and an incredible challenge, which makes it uh, yoga. Right. Cause if it's not both, it's probably not just one. Right. So the risk of taking the big pain of change aligns with your resonance. It has that it's attuned to that rumble inside it also requires the most absolute vulnerability, right? The big pain of change is not a protective experience. Taking the risk to make a big change doesn't protect you. It doesn't create security. It doesn't create uh, uh, certainty. Matter of fact, it does just the opposite. Right. So it puts you and I've been thinking a lot about snakes and I want to be careful when I say this, because I am definitely in snake and crocodile land. Uh, I don't want to call any in. I did my little energetic zip up uh, trying to keep the ants off. That didn't work. So hopefully it will keep the gators and snakes away. But. When a snake sheds its skin in order to grow, it's a huge risk. It's the most vulnerable point of the snake's life cycle is when it has brand new, when it's shedding its skin and when it has brand new skin. And I imagine though I'm not a snake, I imagine that it's not comfortable to take your skin off. Right? So it's this huge level of vulnerability. And that is that, that risk to grow, to expand, to evolve into a new uh, station, into a new uh, evolution of self. And the last piece of the big pain of change, taking that risk to go in that direction, is that it puts you in absolute alignment with your aliveness. You will never feel more alive than when you heed the rumble in your gut of what direction that you are ready to go. Right. And, and I hear this so much. I've been teaching yoga teachers since 2006. That is 16 years of teaching yoga teachers. And the story, even though the world seems to be changing very rapidly, the story of the students always stays the same. And it sounds a lot like this. It sounds like they're not very inspired by their lives. They're stuck. They're seeking a yoga teacher training because they're wanting to feel more, to do more, to understand more. And honestly, they're wanting to fix their unhappiness or their persistent low-level suffering and discomfort. And and the disappointing piece for a lot of people is that yoga trainings don't fix that. But what they do is they tune you into the truth of who you are and then... You have to figure out what to do with that, right? Like that is up to you. And we'll talk about that in a second. So that's one side of the scale, the taking the risk of a big change. And I would say that taking the risk of the big change is what leads you to evolution, right? If the goal is, gosh, ants everywhere. If the goal is to not be trapped or stuck in a a static place, then in order to evolve, there's going to be this, uh, this, this big vulnerable experience of shedding or moving forward. There's also the choice and we all make it in some ways all the time to just maintain and persist. There's a lot of, there's a lot of value in our culture about persisting in that low level discomfort sort of in perpetuity. And so, the qualities of that low level of discomfort are they're familiar. They feel secure, right? Like, you know, what your environment is, you know, that you have to get up and go to work every day and make money. And even though you might hate your job, you know that it's going to create a level of security for yourself. um, And that gives you this familiarity, right? It's got uh, a sense of taking care of expectations or others, right? it, it sort of disregards that rumble inside. It's The rumble doesn't matter because everything else is more important, right? And so we live day after day after day uh, putting those everything else, whatever they are, it could be material, it could be spiritual, it could be uh, people, right? We, we live every day putting those people above ourselves and that rumble doesn't cease to exist, but we just don't value it, right? there's a sense of dissonance. So that rumble that we, when we ignore the rumble, there's a sense that something's just not right. So the way I see it developing in our culture these days is anxiety, depression, uh, uh, people, people in the spiritual world call it hypersensitivity, right? The work of doing Tantra and yoga is not to make the environment easier. That's just totally opposite of the philosophy of Tantra and yoga. The the philosophy of Tantra and yoga is that, that the universe is entropy. It's increasing levels of chaos, but the practices of Tantra and yoga, they give us more and more capacity to meet the chaos, where the chaos is at, rather than demand that the chaos slow down so things can align for us, right? And when you find yourself in that place of demanding that the chaos slow down so that things can align for us, then you're most likely out of resilience and you're most likely in that low level of persistence, right? I'm just persisting in my discomfort. And and also, if you're in Baba, you know that we're, like, not afraid of discomfort. So I'm not telling you this is a bad choice or the wrong way to do it. It's just one way, and it will lead to growth, but maybe not so much evolution. Maybe the new you or the that rumbled just calling for you to manifest it into the world. It just won't be met because instead we will persist in our uh, ignorance of our rumble. Yeah. Avidya, they call it in yoga. The other way to, to gauge that persistent low level of discomfort, that risk of, of staying in that place in that frequency is, does it make me feel safe? Right? Right our familiarity our comfort zone sorry if you could hear that is in what we know not in what we don't know and the big change of evolution takes us irrefutably into the unknown there is no way around it you can't plan for it you can't organize your life and map it out in such a way that you'll have it all figured out before the scary parts come The whole point is the snake sheds its skin and hides and waits, right? So if what you seek is safety, then that's in the realm of persistence. It doesn't mean that happiness isn't experienced in the level of persistence. It does perhaps mean that contentment and joy will elude you because you're ignoring that rumble of truth inside of you, right? All Everything changes. Change is constant. You know this, right? It's one of the platitudes. It's one of the most famous platitudes of an opening of a yoga class. All change is, change is constant. And all change leads to growth. So you won't ever stop growing, ever. And not all change leads to evolution. Not all change leads to transformation. So that is something to be really aware of that the choices that you make in the crossroads of your life, and they could be small crossroads or ginormous, um, they're they're your choices about the direction that you're going to go, right? So I just got off a a 42-day, 540-some-mile hike across northern Spain. And prior to leaving, my walking companion and I, who's also a teacher in the 200-hour, she and I memorized this uh, stanza from an Antonio Machado poem, and the first two lines are "Caminante, no hay camino." Say "ase el camino al andar." It means in English, "Pathmaker, there is no way. You make the way by walking." Right. So every moment, there is no way. You're making your path with every step. So uh, I'm not sure if you know this about tantric philosophy but the idea of tantric philosophy that the root of tantric philosophy is everything is energy and that energy has a vibration right like this is like physical science sixth grade physical science this isn't ever, this isn't revolutionary information nor is it really new age energetics it's just basic uh physical science everything has a vibration right energies are uh molecules are vibrating with energy all the time right and that vibration, according to tantric philosophy, is considered to be Shakti, the power or divinity of the universe. Right? And Shakti doesn't have a, a, an expression. I love that I'm doing this right outside of a big red roof church. Uh, Shakti doesn't have quality. It's called Nirguna. She doesn't. She doesn't have in her in her essence. She doesn't have. Uh, a good or a bad. She doesn't have category, right? How we move with that energy is what gives it what's called saguna, what gives it quality, what gives it experience, what gives it flavor and texture, right? So everything has got a vibration, including you and including me, including the ants that keep biting me including the the spanish moss in the trees the oak trees that i'm sitting under including uh the red tin roof on the building behind me everything has a vibration and it's unique to you from a tantric perspective that vibration is made up of a lot of different things but primarily the the imprint is your dharma and your karma so learning to hear your unique resonance is imperative in the process of engaging with the type of risk or the type of growth that you seek. If you can't hear how your vibration is and and sound might not be the right way to express how you're hearing it because it can also be felt, but it cannot be felt by other people telling you. It cannot be felt by being informed about how your life should be, it cannot be felt by the constructs we build in our mind about who we are or why we should be that way. It can only be felt by turning inward and learning to listen. Right? When you tune in to that resonance that is uniquely you, then when you're at the crossroads of choice and you're wondering which way you should go, you can listen to what resonates with you and i had a teacher once a long time ago who used to say go walk in front of your closet you can practice this with really small simple things go pick out what you're going to wear for the day but don't just grab something out of your closet don't just create a construct of what you think you should wear actually stand in front of your closet and stay there until something glows and then wear whatever glows so that trains you. Listen, take the take the mind's need for perfect coordination, or color coordination, or matching, or, or or style. It takes all of that out of the equation, and then puts you directly in touch with what the vibration of what's for you that day looks like, feels like, right? And then even if what if what feels right is the most outrageous Hawaiian shirt and. Uh, tiger print leggings, right? And then uh, tall moccasin boots or something like that. So you're going to walk out in the world and people are going to be like, oh my gosh, what happened to them? Paying attention to the bigger story that unfolds from your choice as also part of the choice that you make is part of the training. Feel it, act on it, and then pay attention to how it unfolds for you. That's why we do it. And you can start super small and transforming the most mundane things in your life. And then when once you've done it and you've practiced it and practiced it and practiced it then you can grow into bigger and bigger spaces. Hi friends. They seem fine with my presence. So that's the that's the game of of understanding if you're just persisting, you know, and it's hard if you work at a job that gives you a uniform how can you how can you find your resonance in that, right? We live in a life, we live in an age that's giving us a uniform. We live in a country that gives us a uniform. That uniform is not the same in every country. That uniform is not the same in every time period. So how are you finding the you in that outfit that you're wearing? That is training, learning to hear yourself inside of the experience. That resonance, that vibration that is so clearly you is what you tune into at your crossroads of choice. And you can know. Here's the thing is you can hear it and you can be like, what resonates with me is the Hawaiian print shirt and the leopard print leggings, but I have to wear the white shirt and gray pants. But you can then know yourself better. So what we do instead of knowing ourselves is we just completely bypass the part where we hear what resonates with us and we just say, well, this is what I have to do and I can't do anything about it. And then we become a victim of our circumstance. We become disempowered because other people are making our choices for us rather than saying, well, I have to do it this way because I'm choosing to have this job or uh, this experience or, or this pathway, but I know what's really me. That's where the power lives. I know what's really me. No matter what I'm doing, I know what's really me, right? So if evolution is being sought, then the evolution, which uh, I want to say, little, little sneak peek on book number two. So book number one is coming out in the fall. Just received my, the email with the, with the cover. It is Yoga of Resilience. That is the title. Um, book number two, sneak peek, when change is emerging from a place of resonance and, and is the expression of that big risk, it's revolutionary. And, and here's the most amazing thing is it's not crazy and it's not chaotic and it's not out of control. It's revolutionary because it's you making the choice to evolve beyond the context of what you are told is right or good or perfect. What you are taught is what you're supposed to be. That is the revolution to say, today, I'm going to align with myself, whatever resonates with me, as opposed to what I'm supposed to do or mentally think I should do, right? The revolution is learning that there's an intelligence. As Tantra says, the entire Intelligence of the universe exists in every cell of your body, and it will resonate in you as you. And the power that you hold is that you can learn to hear and feel and experience your resonance of the universe, your unique rhythm and vibration and frequency that is the universe expressing itself as you. And then there'll be moments of time where you're at these crossroads where you can say, oh, my gosh, that resonates at my frequency or that creates harmony with me. Or that is a beautiful melody that we are going to make together if I make the choice to move in this direction, if I take this one step. Right. So That's that's the power of evolution as opposed to just the persistence of growth and change, Nothing will ever stay the same. If you have children, you can choose to have children. I chose to have two. They're amazing. This weekend was the only time that they can both come in years to meet me at the beach. Ah, I'm so excited. What resonance and they're 20 and 17. They are not the babies that I gave birth to, that I gestated inside of my body. They are their own people with their own minds, their own opinions. They change all the time. Here comes the thunder. Bring it, Ma. Ma is the sound of thunder clapping. So everything's going to change whether you like it or not. If you're not sure and you haven't hit 30 yet, let me just, let me up that by a decade. If you haven't hit 40 yet, everything changes. The you that you thought that you would always know looks different. every day when you wake up in the morning, everything changes, that's constant, that's persistent. That will always grow. But if you want to evolution, if you want to live a life of resilience where life is about being alive and not just surviving, then we have to start tuning into what resonates as ourselves, as us at our frequency and moving and not learning how to act in that direction right so <clears throat> no there's also a quality of knowing and i drew this out in a it would be difficult for me to show you but there's a quality of knowing when to persevere and when to evolve i, I will call that quality adhikara it's qualification it's the ability to know right timing right placement Right. So there's there's a there's a necessity of understanding uh, adaptation on your, the timeline of your experience. But knowing when to persevere and when to make huge shifts comes from understanding your resonance. It doesn't come from looking outside of you to get direction. It comes from deeply from within. This is why so much transformational change happens at rock bottom because at rock bottom, you've just given up on everything and everybody telling you how, like fixing you. Rock bottom gives up on everything out there and turns you absolutely and completely inside of yourself. And that's when transformation happens. And that's often, unfortunately it. our culture, our time, see, it waits till rock bottom. But what I want to tell you is in the practice of yoga, the practice of tantra, the practice of resilience, you don't have to wait for rock bottom to evolve and make revolutionary shifts in your life that are resonant with who you are. You can do it right now. You can do it in every moment because you are, we are all vibratory beings. And there's just as much dissonance as there is resonance. And dissonance isn't bad, but it's about when it's right for you to resonate with the choice. How do we get to that place? Um, I don't know if I can say this anymore, but I'm never going to stop saying it. Self-awareness. You can't get to the place of understanding resonance and understanding what works for you, what is in harmony with you, what is your evolution, unless you know who you are. And I can show up here and will continue to show up here week after week after week and tell you amazing stuff. But the period or exclamation point at the end of all of the stuff that I tell you will always be, it's up to you to know who you are. Literally no one else can do it. Your therapist can't know who you are. Your yoga teachers can't know who you are. Your children, your parents, your spouses, nobody can know you. You can know you. When you know you, you can share the parts of you that you know with all of those people. But it's up to you to know you. Self-awareness is just that. It's self. It's you. And once you have that self-awareness, that true understanding of who you are, beneath all of the outfits and all of the stories and all the external uh, directions and suggestions and pressures, when you know that, then all of a sudden you start to unfold this strength, To empower yourself to align with what you know. Not information. Not how to teach a downward facing dog. Although I will say that the most potent downward facing dog you can teach is the one that emerges from inside of you as you. And then if you can find a way to articulate how your students can start to experience that, then you're going to be the best yoga teacher on the planet. But the truth comes from what emerges inside of you. Self-awareness. And comes from knowing who you are. And power to act comes in choosing to align with that knowing. Right? And yoga, that knowing is called D. D-H-I. <clears throat> this is not a mind game. Matter of fact, most of the time you can only get... I don't want to say most of the time. Exclusively. All the time. You can only get here by not moving through your mind make choices about your direction. You get here by feeling and listening and hearing deeply down into your cells, into your body, into your present moment experience. You get here by practicing that over and over and over. And yeah, you know what? Sometimes you have to get away from your environment in order to hear it. That doesn't mean that you have to do like me and walk out, away from the world for two months, you can also just walk out into the woods for two hours. Whatever you need to do to get really clear and able to hear yourself is what needs to be done. That is how you get there. Uh, If you're trying, and I watch this all the time and I talk to people like this all the time and and I argue with people about this all the time, if you're trying to use your mind to solve your problems, the whole work of the mind is not to solve anything, it's to generate problems. If that's the mind's entire job, is to generate problems so it never is out of work. But, but your embodied experience, your energy, your, your cellular intelligence, its job is to resonate to animate, to live, to feel, to savor. That's its job, not to think, not to solve problems, not to create plans, not to apply analysis. Here's the thing too. Your mind is designed to take care of things, but your cellular resonance, your cellular intelligence, it cares for them. Your cellular body does not know how to take care of, it only knows how to care for. And that is a big distinction. And what I'll say is we're most high functioning when both of these things are working in harmony together. But it's not a necessity that we do it just with our mind. Shakti is vibration, the force that animates everything. The wind, that's actually Vayu, but the wind moves because of the force of Shakti, right? So when we can get to that place where we can feel the vibration, we're in the experience of Tantra. We're in the experience of yoga. Vibration expresses in frequency. It doesn't, and, and it doesn't express in analysis and thought and logic. It doesn't express in achievement or gain. It expresses in feeling. And if you're not sure whether it feels right or not, chances are it doesn't feel right. Because the not sure part is your mind. The feeling part is what's true. Our bodies are telling us and informing us and keeping us sensitive to everything all the time if we just turn towards it. To be in alignment or in tune or in harmony with Shakti, we must become intimately familiar with our home frequency. That's why at least from a Virabhava perspective and all the tantric practices I know emphasize meditation above all else. Because if you want to find your home frequency, you have to meditate. You don't always have to meditate the same way, but you're not going to find your home frequency by performing movement, choreography practices that don't have that vibratory awareness in it. And I love that Rachel's teaching this class because she totally knows how to teach that vibratory awareness so good. So you're not going to find it just by doing Chaturanga, Down Dog, Up Dog, even though you might feel a little bit of something, you might scratch the surface of resonance. It actually takes practice and discipline and commitment of turning inward to get to that place of understanding. Our home frequency is our unique vibration, our dharma and karma married and created in form. We must tune into it and then generate the vibrations inside of us that harmonize with this universal frequency, right? Then our job as humans on the planet, according to Tantra, is to just act out the play, to understand our character's role and and actually do the action of animating it with the qualities of resonance, the qualities and power of experience. And never, ever, ever, not not ever, not ever is it with a guarantee of security. To tune into what's right, what's resonant with you, there is never, when that snake sheds its skin so that it can transform and evolve and grow, there's never a guarantee of safety ever so this idea that what's right is based on a guarantee of safety or a guarantee of outcome or a guarantee of of achievement that is the biggest myth that keeps us from moving out of that persistent low level of discomfort we say i'll do that challenging thing or that hard thing or that difficult i don't know that wild and crazy thing I'll do it when I know that I can be secure. I'll do it when it feels safe. And our attachment to needing to feel safe may be robbing us of our ability to live our lives. And I'll, I'll take that one to the bank. We can, we can wrestle around with it later if you want. Because I know safety is a big thing these days. And in a place where safety is now the highest value to which we aspire, we're also one of the most, if not the most dangerous countries in the world so uh, i've wondered often what does it look like when an experiment fails rachel and i talked about this recently what does it look like when an experiment fails if we're inside of it would we know so maybe this experiment of seeking safety is failing right before our eyes right in our lived lives and we don't even know it what happens when you take a risk what happens when you move towards evolution i'll tell you what happens freedom And then the next thing I'm going to tell you is, I don't know who told you that freedom felt good, but that's total crap. Freedom is terrifying. Freedom doesn't feel good. Moksha, what it says in the, that's the name of the word in Sanskrit for liberation. Moksha is, does not equate with happiness. Moksha does not equate with success. It does not equate with gain. It does not equate with ease. It doesn't equate with any of that. The purpose of aligning, of evolving, of finding that resonance, tuning into it and acting upon it is freedom. And freedom doesn't feel good in the ways that we think that it should, but it does feel good in these ways. Freedom feels like being unbound. Freedom feels like resonating with your life, savoring your experiences. Freedom feels like being spacious, having stretch and movability. Freedom feels exactly like the unknown. Exactly like the unknown. So... To take this big risk to evolve, to live a resilient life, we resign ourselves to a life of the absence of security and the absence of the known. And instead, we choose to live and then receive in every moment whatever life brings us and know that that step will also be a choice. And how we meet every crossroads is shaping, sculpting the life that we desire. Right. Even if we think we don't desire it, every choice is shaping the life that we're living. <clears throat> Freedom is the opposite of predictability and dependability and has nothing to do with feeling good and everything to do with being alive. Yeah? It's most basic requirements are simple. You ready? Here's my, here's my takeaways. I always come to a point where I give you takeaways. Here they are, simple but not easy. First, learn to listen and feel yourself free of external distraction or external influence. And that is a game that you have to play for a long time of sorting out, is that me or is that from out there? But if you play that game enough, you'll start to understand what is really you. And the more you listen and the more you tune in to feel, the more you will know. Often this means taking time away from your cultivated life. Again, it doesn't have to be going on retreat, though it can be. It doesn't have to be walking out of your life. It doesn't have to be getting a divorce or quitting your job, but it does have to be finding space without any excuse where you can be only with you in places that are not distracting you from hearing yourself. I find nature to be the best place To seek resonance with myself. Absolute, inequivocably the best place to seek resonance with myself. So that was number one. Learn to hear, listen and feel yourself free of outside influence. Number two, cultivate inner stability. Learn to anchor into who you are. Once you know it, once you hear it, once you can find it, anchor into it over and over and over and over and over Remind yourself in the most mundane moments when you're making your coffee in the morning. Tune into that frequency of who you are and anchor it. When you're in yoga class and your teacher tells you to do something and you're like, "Eh, I'm not sure if that's right for me. And you hear that message and you feel in your body and you do what's right for you. Anchor into that moment. Lean into it. Impress it into your system. Because that stability is where you source your strength to act. That strength is not based on your environment perfecting itself so things become easy for you to choose. That strength is based on you getting more and more in tune and stabilizing who you are. So much of our current modern world is inherently dissonant and out of resonance with the truth of who you are, but we don't even know it because we don't ever take the time to step out of it. So much of our lives are so out of rhythm with our resonance. And we feel it like anxiety and we feel it like stress and we feel it like inflammation and we feel it like something that we have to numb. And every time we move in those directions, it's a marker for us, an indicator that we've moved out of those spaces of resilience, out of those spaces of resonance out of those spaces of connection with ourselves and into places where we're in dissonance with our truth. Yeah. Number three, that was to cultivate inner stability. Number three, develop the power to act. It's called Kriya Shakti. Develop the power, that's the Shakti of choice and action. So this is what I know about yoga teachers. After, I should write a book on that. What I've learned about yoga teachers after 12 years of leading teacher trainings—they They really get the first two. But that third one, sometimes they just don't get there. The power to act on all of this is the end game of the whole thing. To take action. The Bhagavad Gita says, even your inaction is action. So even if you're doing nothing, and you're feeling stuck, and numb, and, and, and overwhelmed, that is an action. Big truck goes by, and honk. So whether you think you're acting or not, you are. Because every inaction is making a choice at a crossroads to do nothing. And maybe that's the right action. But if it is, you'll, it'll resonate with you. It won't feel like something you have to push away or ignore or hide. It'll live in you as freedom, that choice to not act. (sighs) Here's my final takeaway. Because every moment is a crossroads of choice, every choice you make is your responsibility. And it is taking responsibility in those moments of choice for yourself and your resonance and your showing up that will shape every step after that. Every single one. It doesn't mean that every single step isn't an opportunity to shape it in a new way. But you must take responsibility for what you choose in every moment. And it doesn't always mean that you can change your external environment. We have to let go of this idea that it's about what happens out there. It's about stabilizing, listening, trusting in here and knowing that that step that's right for you might not feel right in the moment. It might not feel good. It might not feel right for anybody else. But if it's right for you and it resonates, it will generate another step and another step and another step, right? So how much responsibility right now are you taking in your moments of choice? How much are you pushing this responsibility off on other people or experiences or things? And how much responsibility are you taking, really, for the choices that you're making? Okay, I think that's it. This podcast is only a fraction of what we do at Virabhava Yoga. To learn more about our live classes, workshops, online tantric meditation and yoga trainings, visit our website www.verabhavayoga.com or follow us on Instagram at virabhavayoga. you can also register to attend these conversations live and download the associated asana classes by visiting virabhavayoga.com backslash podcast don't forget to use code podcast 2022 to save 15% off of anything on our website may these conversations inspire you to explore yoga as resilience in your life